0: Next week, Lord willing, we're going to finish Daniel, and then afterwards, starting December, we're going to start a new series in the Gospel of Luke, studying the footsteps of Jesus. But today we're going to focus on Thanksgiving. I hope you've purchased your turkey for Thanksgiving this year. I've heard there is a turkey shortage and some kind of avian flu has affected the supply chain. And I heard there's another shortage of butter. So the dairy industry has been affected by uh, things like that. And whether you have enough butter to butter up your turkey or not, I hope that that happens for you. Well, this is 2022, and it seems like we've got another shortage. And it's a shortage of Thanksgiving. We've seemed to misplace Thanksgiving this year. It's difficult, I understand, to find a thankful spirit in the midst of so much hurricane devastation that we see all around us. But I think that we need to get lifted out of our hurricane fog into the higher ground of Thanksgiving. And let's do that by looking at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21, because I believe that as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to find five steps of action can lift us out of our grumbling and out of our discouragement and bring us up to the higher ground of thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Father, we come in your presence today and pray that today as we are approaching a celebration of Thanksgiving, I pray that, Lord, today we would once again look at our spiritual duty and our sense of responsibility to be thankful in everything. I pray for your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've read Ephesians and studied Ephesians, you'll find that the first three chapters has to do with our glorious position in Christ. And the last three chapters delineate our expected practices for Christ. Well, in just these few verses, I think that as I was looking at a Thanksgiving message, I, I saw that it seems like there's steps that rise you to another plane all the way unto Thanksgiving. The first one of those action steps is in verse 15 to 17, and I call that a careful walk. And it says there, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as unwise. Now, the ESV says, look carefully how you walk. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, pay careful attention then how you walk. Of course, the believer's walk is a description of how we live our lives. Now, the word circumspect comes from two Latin words, which means looking around and the opposite would be walking carelessly without paying attention. Now, the older I get, the more careful attention that I have to pay where my feet go down. How about you? Same thing? I, I was taking a, a bag of trash off of our lanai, and there's like four or five steps down these very steep steps. So when you're carrying a bag of trash, you can't see where you're going, you know. And I was taking one step, and I about stumbled, and I said, I think I will throw the trash bag and be careful on walking down those stairs. Anybody like that? The older you get, the more careful you have to be with where your feet are placed, Well, I think that's what uh, walking circumspectly, being careful, has the idea of resisting the temptation to swerve into fleshly behavior. Be careful where you walk. So many of God's people are careless in their behavior. They're reckless. We must be careful with our internet viewing, with our texting, with our Facebook use, and careful with our relationships with the opposite sex, careful in the places we go and the people we hang around with. So a careful walk not only involves some care about negative things, but also using the opportunities that God has given to us. It says here, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeeming means... To buy out of the marketplace. The picture is of a merchant who diligently seeks to buy up the best bargains in the marketplace. Taking care not to miss those opportunities. Are you like that? You want a discount? (laughs) You want to get a 50% off every time you go to the store? (laughs) Boy, didn't it make it feel good when you get uh, uh, 90% off at Dollar General or something like that? (laughs) It might be useless, but it's still good to have cheap things. You want to, to get the most product for the money you put down. So redeeming the idea. Here is the idea. Make use of the opportunities that the Lord has given you. To view people and circumstances, not just irritations or encounters, but as opportunities that the Lord has placed in your life to do something. Each new day brings us 24 hours. Everybody's got the same. That's 14, 1,440 minutes, 86,000 seconds, and each moment that we have is a precious gift from God, and we're called to be good stewards of that. If someone gave us $1,440 every day and said, okay, Here's this money, you spend it all or you're going to lose it. What would you do? You would spend every dollar you could. <laughs> and that's the way that the Lord has given us these, these minutes of the day. We need to use them. Today is all of the cash that you have and we need to spend it wisely. Dr. Benjamin E. Mays succinctly wrote, I have only just a minute only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. And we also need to seek God's will in everything, understanding what the will of the Lord is. A careful walk is concerned about following the Lord, not just our own ways, not just uh, swerving into sinful behavior, but being careful in our walk. Well, that's the first action step that we can take on the road to thanksgiving. The second one is found in verse 18. We need to have a spirit-filled life, Ephesians five eighteen. It says, be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, first of all, we need to not be controlled by other things. We often self-medicate to deal with the stresses of life. You, you, you wonder how people are handling all the difficulties. Sometimes use alcohol or drugs Sometimes they just go shopping, sometimes spending. We allow these other things to control us when we really need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think of being controlled or filled with the Spirit, we often think of preaching as it was in the book of Acts or teaching or witnessing. But do you realize that we need to be Spirit-filled when it comes to our home life? how we communicate with our spouse and our children and our parents. We need to be controlled, filled with the Holy Spirit when it comes to our relationships with people in church and controlled with the Holy Spirit when it comes to our cell phones too. Now, let me ask you this question. When you're on your cell phone with that insurance company or those adjusters or other Things, are you really being filled with the Spirit, or are you filled with anger and frustration and, and all kinds of other things? We need to make sure that we are filled with the Spirit everywhere we go, whether it's on the phone, whether it's talking to your spouse, or whether you're sitting down at the supper table. So that's the second thing that we can do on the way to Thanksgiving is to be spirit-filled. But Ephesians has a third step that can pull us out of our grumbling into the higher ground of thanksgiving. And that's in verse 19, which is an overflowing praise. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. As we look at this Phrase. We need to have a refreshing reboot of corporate praise, speaking to one another. Now, this is not just uh, you praising the Lord yourself or singing songs of praise. This is in an avenue where there's other people, so we're speaking to one another. There's the corporate aspect of praising the Lord. Now, there's three directions that our worship should go to one another in the heart, as it says there, uh, and to the Lord. So corporate praise is so essential. Now, we can all enjoy listening to the um, music on the radio or singing to ourselves or praying, but there's something important about praising the Lord together. Uh, look at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when the early church, they they met together for the apostles' doctrine, for breaking of bread, for times of prayer, and praising the Lord. There's something about corporate praise that lifts our sagging spirits. Wasn't the music wonderful today? The, the music of thanksgiving and praise, it just lifted our hearts and focused on the Lord. So it's very important for that. But... When, when it's all said and done, we're speaking to one another, but there's an audience of one, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, in praise of the Lord or address to him. The singing here is meant as a solemn act of worship and also should be considered as prayer. You ever think of that? Singing as Prayer? In singing, we should regard ourselves as speaking directly to God. And the words, therefore, should be spoken with a solemnity and awe of becoming a direct address to our great Jehovah God. So that's like praying to the Lord. So this is an area of of worship that can lift us out of our doldrums. I tell you, when you go through difficulties in your week, when you've had uh, disagreements and you've had family arguments and when you've had uh, things not going well with your hurricane claims, it's good to just leave that aside, isn't it? And just get into the house of the Lord with God's people and sing and make melody to the Lord with one another, corporate praise. There's a fourth action step that I find in verse 20. And that is an all-encompassing gratitude. It says there, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.20 tells us that. But that's not the only place. All through the New Testament and the Old Testament, we are obligated, we are challenged to give thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians five eighteen In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And in the Old Testament, Psalm 100, verse 4 it says, Enter into his gates with what? thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 92, verse 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. It's not, Thanksgiving is not just a day, it's not just a season, but it's a continuous action for the child of God. So it says in verse 20, Giving thanks always for all things. In all things. For all things. Even hurricanes. <laughs> I believe that God is up to something. I believe that when he allowed this hurricane Ian to hit right outside of our county, right on the coast... He was doing something, and he's up to something good. The devil wants to use it to discourage us, to defeat us, to spur us to act in the flesh, to complain, but our God is doing something for our good. You know, one of the things that I think that God is doing, he wants us to lessen our grip on things. Whenever you go outside and walk up and down or drive up and down the streets, everybody, almost everybody, has got a pile of debris right outside their road. Mine's still there. (laughs) Anybody have their debris picked up yet? Oh, you must be living close to the commissioner's house. (laughs) I'm out of luck. Every time I go out there and I look at Oh my, I used to sleep on that mattress. <laughs> oh, that was a nice dresser out there. It's stuff. And whenever you see the pile of debris, it's a reminder that it's only things. And sometimes we've got a hard grip on the things of this world. And sometimes God wants to teach us. It, we've got treasure up in heaven and the things of this earth it just kind of we just hold them with a light grip that's one lesson and i think sometimes god uses the hurricanes to sift us to bring out the fruit of the spirit i know what the devil wants to do he wants to bring out the the works of the flesh the anger the meanness but god wants to sift us I tell you, I I don't know what his purpose is. You know, it's not that the people in southwest Florida were greater sinners than the people up in north Georgia, you know. It's it's not that we needed a special, but God uses everything to sift us to bring out Christlikeness. And I think also to help us to become grateful for others who helped us. Uh, this This whole area down here was filled with people all over the country, from Texas, from the East Coast, from the Midwest, coming down with chainsaws and supplies of of just uh, tarps and water and, and it 's good once in a while to see the goodness in people now I, I realize that we 're all sinners. But you know, there's, there's some good-hearted people out there. And I think that we need to be reminded that the evening news is not just all a snapshot of what the world is. There's some good-hearted people out there. And it's good to be reminded of the kindness of people. And also, no matter how strong the wind was, no matter how devastating the waters were, nothing can shake us from the love of God. A sign on the Gregor Boulevard in Fort Myers, Florida, has been a stalwart landmark to thousands for nearly 80 years. The sign read, God is love in green neon. Anybody ever seen that sign? Several of you have seen that. The sign was erected in 1943 and has survived the Florida humidity and several renovations. The God is love sign survived previous hurricanes, Wilma, Andrew, Charlie, and Irma. When Hurricane Ian blew into Fort Myers on September 28th with nearly Category 5 winds, many wondered if that sign would still be standing. With all the massive destruction around it, trees down, homes destroyed, the sign was still there, still shining after Ian's wrath. Isn't that something? The truth, that's the sign is a comfort. The Bible tells us that God is love. In the Psalms, we're told, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Nothing can blow away the truth of God's love for mankind. The strong winds of skepticism and doubt and tragedies cannot put out the light of God's love. People may deny it, ignore it. And scorn it, but the light still shines as God so loved the world. McGregor Boulevard sign declares God's love in green neon. But John 3.16 shows God's love for sinners in the red blood of his dear son. That's one thing. Nothing can blow away God's love for us. We've seen four action steps that can pull us out of a grumbling negative spirit and lift us into the higher ground of thanksgiving. But I'd like to share one more, and that's in verse 21, and that's this submissive attitude, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We need to be submissive to those around us. Let me ask you, in the last two months... Have you ever once lost it? I mean, emotionally? I mean, just too much and you exploded? I know I have. Our comfort zone has been invaded. The context of this passage deals with our family relationships at home and in the church. Grace, patience, tolerance, understanding with others. One essential fruit of the Spirit is long suffering. You know, we often hold on to our own will and our own opinions so tightly it gets us tangled up. I want my way. I want to do it this way when God says you need to be submissive. I once heard a a missionary friend of mine from Brazil. He grew up in Brazil his parents were missionaries, and he stayed to be a missionary as well. His name is John Leonard. And John was telling me one time when he came home on furlough, when he was a kid, he used to have, uh, coke, he used to have uh, patches of uh, bananas, and he raised those and sold, sold them to make some extra money. Well, the monkeys were constantly getting in his banana patch. Imagine that, you know. <laughs> And he decided that he was going to catch those monkeys and take them somewhere else or I don't know what he would do with them. So he found out a method of catching monkeys. He got some coconuts and drilled a small hole in those coconuts and placed them, uh, tied them up somehow with a chain or whatever and put some marbles in the coconut. And the size of the hole was important because a monkey would reach his hand into the coconut because he's always curious and he would grab the marbles and have it in his hand and he could not pull his hand out of the coconut. You would think that you ought to be smart enough to let go of them. Well, John came up with a net and the monkey was there with holding the coconut, holding the marbles in his hand and they would not. Move and he wouldn't let go of them, and so John just threw a net over and caught the monkeys and got rid of them out of his banana patch. You know, it's amazing. You know, I think of that tight fist when we insist on doing our own thing and doing our own ways, and we simply just need to submit and let go. And we have freedom, we have freedom when we submit to one another. Freedom, when we submit to God. Notice what it says in the last part. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Well, I hope that you are able to purchase your turkey. And there's no shortage of butter to butter it up. (laughs) You know, we can do without turkey. We can do without extra butter. But God's people cannot do without thanksgiving. Well, this is our, what you call, our hurricane thanksgiving. I hope that you spend some time with your family or church people just giving praise to God in the situation we find ourselves. Let's look to him in prayer. Father, your goodness has surrounded us. You've blessed us beyond measure. And Lord, we are suffering under this devastation. Some of our homes are still not put together and some people don't even have the opportunity of staying in their homes. And we pray for those that are going through this time. But today, Father, I pray that you would peel all of those discouraging things away and help us to lift higher into the higher ground of gratefulness and thanksgiving to you you've given us so much. You've you've poured out upon us the daily blessings and all, all with the love of God through Jesus Christ. May we never forget that. Give us a thankful heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.